0: O'clock. Appreciate you joining us, Jim and the Buckeye boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We're digging into some different things today. Buckeye went to see uh, the metal band Exodus. It's been around since I think... what
1: 79 the? is the official yeah. founding.
0: I was thinking since the probably biblical yeah. Exodus. That is
1: the problem with some
0: metal bands like Testament
1: and Exodus Amazon Music doesn't differentiate between the... Oh, oh, and the... So sometime you're like, oh, they... New new for you. Like, no. No, no it's not. No, this is not for this me. Is,
0: this is for for others. Yeah. They may very well enjoy that, yes. but that's not for what you're looking for.
1: That guy looks very talented. Yeah. That's
0: not who... That's not Chuck Billy. No. So we're just thinking about, who would you like to see? And it's not... not doesn't have to be a metal band. It can mm-hmm. be any band. Like... I mentioned Cheap Trick would be cool cool to see Cheap Trick come here and play. Jamie had Matchbox 20 that he mentioned. I think Sammy Hagar and the Circle would be cool if they came here and played. Mm -hmm. Tesla would be cool to see here. Foreigner? Uh, No. For me, I'd like it. I I want the original. I want Lou Graham. Because I saw him a rock jamming. Kelly Hansen, I think, is the guy. Mm -hmm. He was in a band called Hurricane, I believe. A metal band back in the 80s. It's all right. I saw him at Rock Jam years ago. I'd I would have I would have loved to seen the original Lou Graham Foreigner. Didn't get the chance to see that, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, well, yeah that's a good I point. mean, they were good. They were all right. Yeah, but but it wasn't the original. But but, but the Foreigner has played here mm-hmm. in recent years. I know you're not a fan. I'd love to see Poison come back. That'd be great. I I'd, I'd be okay with maybe checking it out. Just mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a huge fan of a Poison, but it's a good
1: time. You may, i mean the music's not maybe class a musicianship but
0: a is it is it fun, nothing is it nothing but a good time it's a fun 55 minutes is that an unintentional little? yeah it
1: was unintentional okay i just blew right past it it's all right yeah it's it's a it's a pretty decent good be 45 okay. 50 minutes be okay yeah
0: be all right i don't that's one i don't like you i'd be with some
1: i don't think i'd pay for it bang through the hits and let's get
0: out of here pitter patter get let's out get of at here her. at ten we're all
1: old man <laughs> But Michael's wears the headband, particularly to hide Brett, the, the yeah. The
0: hairline, <laughs> uh, also today, with uh Sean Lewis, now the new head coach at San Diego State, buffs offensive Pac-12. Yeah, that's what it is <laughs> oh. exactly. Um, uh, and with the, the players that have decommitted, like Antoine Hill, the quarterback, four star mm-hmm. guy, that's like, ah, I think I'm gonna look around, and they only have eight players committed right now for 2024. And December 20th is the signing day. And I get it. People say, well, Jim, there's the transfer portal. Yeah. It's where Coach so Brian makes everything. his head. Doesn't solve everything about a no, program, though. It doesn't. And so what are your, are you concerned right now about the University of Colorado Buffaloes? Once again, we start out with this the statement, though. They are dramatically better yes. now than they were this time last year. Not even close. More wins, one to four. Mm-hmm. More two, two only two blowout losses. Lost some close games. Should have never lost to Stanford. That's that's where things really went wrong. Yeah, when that's they blew, where it blew that sideways. 28, 29, 29
1: point nothing lead. at the half. Yeah,
0: blew that twenty-nine nothing lead to Yikes. Stanford. That's where things went bad. See, and this is where
1: the difference between the CU fan that is kind of on the understated side of football fandom and the coach prime converts right to see you football because the coach prime converts saw the first three games and then a 1 and 9 finish or sorry a 1 and 7 finish whatever it was and are like well what happened everything was great this team is a disaster and there's blah 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 but you have like Mike and Scottsdale who suffered through 1-11 and 11 last year. Yes, he did. Watching the play, air quotes, of that team that won one game and lost most of them by four touchdowns. Yeah, This is An a dramatically yeah. better CU team and much more enjoyable to Even if they lose, they're much they more enjoyable lost, like, to by watch.
0: Four, they can average like 40 points per game yeah. last year. They lost.
1: Because you could go into every game, maybe not the Oregon game, But every other game on the schedule was...
0: Washington State smacked them around a little bit.
1: But there was still a feeling of walking into the stadium like, you know, if we play well, we can get this
0: team. Well, yeah, and the feeling was that they should probably Mm -hmm. at least compete if not beat Washington State.
1: You know, but Washington State was dramatically better. I don't think people really realized that. And that was the CU team that really, to be honest, kind of gave up at times. You could see in the second half of that game, a little bit of Kareem Jackson in Miami. Like, well, ah, he's going to score anyway. Type stuff. You know what I mean? Right. But, like, against Arizona was three points. Oregon State was seven. UCLA was 12, but close. Stanford was a three-point loss that they were up almost 30 points in that game. They beat Arizona State on the road. They were tight with USC at the end. Six points to Utah. Like, their last four games not including the washington state game is 12 19 22 28 points combined that's usually what they would lose by per game last year so for the cu fans that have been around for a while that you know are used to the 1 and 11s and the 5 and 7s and the 2 and 10s this is a Okay, we got something building here.
0: It's a breath of fresh air. It's a step in the right direction. And for four weeks, it was, like I said, the epicenter of the sports world. Or The Rock was showing Mm -hmm. up. And Michael Irvin. College
1: game day came to Colorado, Colorado State.
0: Yes. And a year where normally we're like, no. Why? Nobody cares about that game except if you're a Rams fan or a Buffs fan. Mm -hmm. But it became a nationally relevant game because... Of because what? of Coach Prime. Because of Coach Prime, they went to TCU. They beat last year's national championship runner-up. Mm-hmm. And then here we go. And and so there was such a buzz about this yeah. team.
1: And you have revisionist history on that TCU game, too. Because you now, three months later, you look back well see. Uh,
0: they weren't yeah, were
1: very but back they then it, nobody knew that. They
0: were defending you know national runner championship up. runner up. That, that's a, even though they lost some talent. That was still a team that was considered mm-hmm. a, a, a a potential contender in the pack in the Big Twelve.
1: Yes, you know, so like, kind of a
0: fringe contender.
1: You have to separate the coach prime fans from CU fans when you get some of the well, you know, there's panic in the streets here at Boulder. No, not really. The people that have been there since March, yeah, they're panicking because. Coach Prime was, you know, whatever, like 30 and 4. And now it's a little bit worse. But Buffs fa- seniors at that school are like, this is nothing. This is great. We won 4. We might go next year and pay for the tickets at full price instead of the student discount.
0: And one of the feelings, though? And, and I'm reading uh, from The Athletic that they, uh, they interviewed some coordinators and assistant coaches in the Pac-12. And they had some thoughts about, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And one does. one coach said it's going to get dark for Colorado. That they landed recruits on the high and they're sinking a little bit. This is another this is another coordinator mm-hmm. talking about this. They're not sunk but they've stumbled. You have to maintain relationships at the high school level. Making our point about the concern you should have yeah. about the decommits. About the players are going, I don't know I don't know. I don't like the way this thing ended. Mm -hmm. I don't like the looks of this. I'm going to go play someplace else. You can't constantly, year in and year out, build with the transfer portal. No. You just can't do it. It's it's unrealistic. You can fill spots. Certainly, quarterbacks is a position. We saw what Notre Dame did with Sam Hartman. Mm -hmm. Plug a guy in. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Unglaile at Oregon State worked out. Yeah, that there are moments that it's worked out. There's also been guys that have transferred where it hasn't worked out. Shader Sanders obviously has worked out really well. Yes, he has. And so, but there you. But you use the portal to fill spots. You don't build your entire football team every year because you can't. Colorado did to a you know to a large extent with the transfer portal because it was a one win football team. But you can't do that every year year in year out and, and expect to be successful you've got to recruit and you've got to win the in-state battle part of that and, and right now Colorado doesn't doesn't do that nor does Colorado State for that matter
1: no they they really don't your Wyoming's your Nebraska's other schools come and poach some of Colorado's best players and that's that's the problem with the coach prime effect is the way he builds his team and the way he handles the guys that were already there. You're going to get players that the type of player you recruit is going to punch out when you go on a five-game losing streak. One are going be like, yeah.
0: nah, I'm out. Yeah. One other Pac-12 assistant said, the guys who have staying power in this business are blue-collar, hard-working dudes. I think in his heart, Sanders is a good guy. Ultimately, that will make him successful, but there are more hard times coming for him until he figures that out. I think he puts the work in. I, I do think though that the point was made in this you know about the Utah game, for mm-hmm. example, and there are other moments throughout the season where clock game management, clock management, not great for Coach Sanders. The the Sean Lewis decision is I, I hope that does not come back to to be the demise of Deion Sanders, the coach of this team. Because you had a a high octane offense with Sean Lewis if if coach prime leaves was the perfect candidate to slide into that spot mm-hmm. to be the next head coach already been a head coach and and so I, I just think the way he handled that he handled it terribly to be quite honest look the i hate to
1: go Sean Payton there look offense yards 565, 454, 418, 199, Oregon game. That's a little different. 564, 295, and a win against Arizona State. 532 against Stanford. Then Pat Shermer took over. 242, 238, 339, 255, 262. They scored 16, 19, 31, 14, and 17. Did they regress that much as players?
0: Also, they lost all four games If Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And then, and you also, because you had to basically demote somebody and they took Tim Brewster, the tight ends coach, who was working with Sean Lewis, Mm -hmm. they kind of had to take him out of the booth and that didn't make him very happy. So he's now gone. And, and Sean Lewis basically got, got demoted after the, the, the game with UCLA where Shadur got smacked around. And that's when they because he's under a lot of mm-hmm. pressure. So how is that how is that Sean Lewis's fault that Shadur was constantly getting harassed? Would that not fall under the under the responsibility of Bill O'Boyle, Buff's offensive line coach? Yeah how is, how is that Sean Lewis's fault?
1: They had six games or six turnovers in the first eight games, and then they had five in the last four and averaged 21 points per game across those last four. That's your Pat Shermer. How many times have we talked about it when he was with the Broncos? His offense is not built for the current game because it doesn't score enough points. Their defense was not nearly good enough to have an offense
0: that averages 20 points a game. No,
1: They're not Iowa. (laughs) <laughs> no. Who would kill for Pat Shermer's offense right now. Oh, no
0: but no kidding. Absolutely. It would die. It would, it would kill for that but kind of
1: productivity. they have an
0: elite level defense in the Big Ten where CU didn't. No. It's a defense that got better for Charles Kelly as the season went along. But, yeah, but no, nobody's comparing Colorado's defense to Iowa or no. Michigan or Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama or anybody like that. No, not at all. Uh, let's see. Before we get to around the NFL, bands you'd like to see come to town, since Buck, I got to see mm-hmm. Exodus. I agree with Steve on this one, the cult. Yeah. The cult. Ian Asbury, awesome. Billy Duffy, and the cult. Thank you, Steve. That's one I would love, love, love to see. Is Matt Sorum still drumming for them? Might be. I don't remember exactly. He might still be doing that. Who is Matt Sorum not drumming for? That's the question. Exodus, I <laughs> think, probably. <laughs> I got one. Uh, I think the bigger question for the University of Colorado is how long Coach Prime will be there. Once he is gone, good chance they return the same, same old uh, to the same, same old. I'm sure the University of Colorado is working as hard as they can to extend them. So if nothing comes out before the start of next year with some sort of pay raise and extension, I think they would offer him something soon. But we have not heard anything at the start of next season. He probably turned it down, which would not bode well for the University of Colorado.
1: Yeah, and this texter had a piece before that that cu is currently extremely media relevant so whatever happens is over exaggerated either good or bad because of coach prime they get clicks media talks about them just like espn talks about the cowboys and the lakers he's like i'm sure purdue had lost a few commits as well as had a coach or two go on to a higher job but they're not media relevant so it doesn't get mentioned and that's, that's true. And that's kind of speaks to what we said is the coach prime factor. This is the back edge of the double-edged sword. Like college game day is there and the stadium is full and they sold out and blah, blah, blah. And this is all fantastic. And then they start to lose because they were a one-win football team last year that now has 100 new people in the program. They're not going to go out there and win 10 games. But they were expected to because they beat TCU and then they beat nebraska they beat csu and they're on college game day and college game day doesn't go to 500 or sub 500 teams they go to these elite top tier games and matchups and teams and they were there so they must be on the way to you know being at least in the cfp contention and oh look Shadur sanders and travis hunter in heisman trophy consideration and labor day was last week and this whole thing so it gets blown way out of proportion one way or another like ohio state lost a commit. Fans are panicking because it's Ohio State. Pa- fans are panicking because they haven't heard about a Michigan commit signing his actual letter because of the gym. They're panicking. This happens all over the place. This texture is 100% right. Your media-relevant teams, and Coach Prime makes the bus one of those, it's going to get blown out of proportion. Now, True. this is a 2025, but not next year. Not a
0: guy who's going to sign down in three run. weeks. This is a year and a half away. So, But the concern is the eight- that he only has committed yeah. right now. It's it's not so much Antoine Hill down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a mild concern, and, and the texture's right. right. Guys decommit all the time, but when you've only got eight committed guys right now...
1: And you're right, that, that part is the concern, but that's very low down the national totem pole. It's the five-star decommitted. It's maybe because the five-star learned that Nick Saban's going to be calling him next week or whoever. Uh, you know, Kirby Smith. And he's kind of seeing things at Davo Colorado, Sweeney. and he's like,
0: maybe it's not as mm-hmm. not, not the place I want to be.
1: Maybe I will have the same head coach for four years.
0: <laughs> because to one of those places? And not get very, fired. Very likely, yes. All right, time for Around the NFL. Yeah.
2: The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show.
0: All right, let's uh, get things going with uh, some audio from yesterday. Broncos, of course, take on the Texans Sunday in Houston. And the offensive line has had a very nice turnaround for the Broncos. One of the big reasons they've had success, well, I mean, they invested some money and Ben, well, a lot of money in Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey. But they've started the same offensive line combination the entire season, really? Think about that. When's the last time that happened? Ninety-eight. It's been a long time. I'm looking here. i some trying. To, I don't see the number of last time that they had everybody starting the line to this point in time. Mm-hmm. But you know, false starts has been, been an issue. It's gotten much better during this five game winning streak. One false start. Two holding penalties. No offensive line penalties against Kansas City. They had three false starts, a holding, and one ineligible downfield against Buffalo, an illegal formation against Minnesota, and two false starts against the Browns. And, and right now, the the Pro Football Focus grades. You know who the highest graded Broncos lineman is right now? According to PFF,
1: the way you asked that, I'm gonna say Garrett Bowles. He's second. Oh, um, Lord Cushenberry the third.
0: Quinn Miners. Oh, okay. I only had three left at that point. <laughs> Eighty three point six. Then it's Garrett Bowles, 75.3. And then it's Lloyd Cushenberry, Lloyd Cushenberry III, 71.1. And Ben Powers, 60. Mike McGlinchey, I'm sorry, I'm going out over here, 65 for Mike McGlinchey. And so, for the Broncos, Quinn Miners, guy they drafted, Mm -hmm. low-round pick. The gut. The gut has developed into, right now, their best offensive lineman. But in 2022, the Broncos used nine different starting offensive line combinations.
1: In 17
0: games. In 17 games. That tends to lead to lack of continuity. Failure. And absolute failure, which was last year with five. Your coach getting poop canned in December. Absolutely, With, with two games left to go in the season. So, Sean Payton, talked about the offensive
3: line. Yeah, listen, they played well last week and it's it's encouraging again back to one in the very beginning when i first got here It's the, you know we believe it's one of the most important positions on your team that can permeate your building and and i'm pleased with the makeup and the mindset and the grit and toughness those guys play with yeah look I, you credit zach and austin both those guys are handling working with those guys um and so it's, it's a combination of you know finding the right guys and then putting them in positions that that give them a chance to have success. Um, you know, we're by no means a finished product, but we're, we're getting better, and there's encouraging signs. And and so those guys played well last week.
0: All right, so there's Sean Payton talking about the offensive line. So some connection here with the Broncos and the Texans. Because you remember back when the, the coaching search was going on and the Broncos were trying to work the deal with the Saints to trade for Sean Payton, that uh, the Broncos had interviewed D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers and so they they talked to him and they actually had uh, when things didn't when they weren't sure if the, the Peyton deal was going to happen, the Broncos went back and talked to D'Amico Ryans in like the 11th hour and then that deal fell through and then the John Payton deal came came through and so that allowed Payton to become the coach of the Broncos but um, you know Greg Pinner refuted the report when he was asked about it during the news conference. That they went back to talk to D'Amico Ryan's, but uh, the feeling is is that you know, they you know that the the reality is they did talk with him. There was interest in D'Amico Ryan's, and D'Amico Ryan's deserves a ton of credit mm-hmm. because after the the Texans decided to to move on from Deshaun Watson after yep. all the the terrible allegations that um, they went out and drafted quarterback C.J. Stroud, and C.J. Stroud who played for your Ohio State Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. right now clearly the front runner with i think very little doubt the afc offensive rookie of the year he's very close to lapping the field yes
1: and a couple more wins and he will have their 10th in scoring sixth in yards right now as an offense last year they were 30th or worst last two years 30th or worst in both of those categories and if the 2013 texans aren't so bad offensively the broncos don't win super bowl 50 because it got both Gary kubiak he was uh he resigned for health reasons because i would too at 1 and 11 and wade phillips was
0: not a great interim coach going 0 for 3 and they both came back to denver and won a super bowl all right so here's sean payton on facing a young talented texans team with led by cj stroud
3: it is unique he's playing well when you watch him play you feel like you're watching someone who's Savvy and experience you don't feel like necessarily you're watching someone in their first year. He's confident It's a dangerous team that way you're you got young players and I've been through it before with you know a draft where they have the young receiver tank who's playing well the defensive end from Alabama is playing well the quarterback, you know, and they're having success And they're six and five and and so you definitely see the explosives on tape They've been down late and come back there's a confidence they have that certainly is contagious, and you can see that on film, but he's been impressive.
0: All right, so that's Sean Payton on uh, C.J. Stroud and the Texans. So yesterday, by the way, to kind of wrap it up here, happy belated birthday to Danger Russ. Yeah, that's right. Turned 35 yesterday, and uh, Russ was asked about how he feels now that he's 35 years old. and. Russ says uh, there's still plenty of gas left in his tank.
3: I still got a little speed, you know. I still got quickness, you know. I so I, I, I think I think the biggest thing is just, uh, you know, when you when you have a plan, you set out you set out to it. I set out to it a long time ago. You know, it's a you know I think that um, it's a lifestyle. It's a 365 day mentality. Um, there are no off days. There are no um, you don't have optionality on on trying to trying to be great every day. I think that's just got to be your mentality. So
0: all right, so there's uh, Russell Wilson.
3: Broncos at the Texans
0: Sunday. Both teams are 6-5. Pre-game starts at 9, kickoff at 11 on the team. Sports Network tonight, pretty good Thursday night matchup. Seattle mm-hmm. taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Pre-game at 5-30 on the team this evening. Coming up, Cody Rourke with our Broncos uh, report. We'll, uh, we'll dive into the Broncos and Texans with Cody. But uh, joining us right now to talk about sleep and heavenly peace and uh, their betting drive, we have uh, Bill with a sleep in heavenly peace bill appreciate you coming in this morning thanks for for talking about your organization with us
4: it's great to be here uh, sleep in heavenly peace is an organization here in grand junction that builds beds and gives them to families who have kids that sleep on the floor
0: and these are for uh, kids ages 3 to 17 for for children that don't have a bed of their own and i know uh, Vern McGee, that uh, does things with us here at the radio station, former Central coach. Uh, uh, Vern's involved in this. I know a couple of times like, yeah, hey, I might be a little late getting to the game because I'm, I'm building some beds today. But, uh, but uh, your motto is, no kid sleeps on the floor in our town. Uh, how many beds, Bill, have uh, has your organization built and provided to the local youth?
4: Sleep in Heavenly Peace here in Grand Junction has been up and running for about a year. We have delivered 144 beds into the community
0: that's remarkable and these are all built lovingly by hand by people here in town that that are building these beds we get volunteers across the entire
4: community and we'll get between 40 and 60 people come in on a saturday morning and in four hours we'll build 20 beds to be delivered
0: in the next weeks that's just incredible so right now what you're looking for uh, looking for, for twin-size sheets and pillows and comforters and quilts. And uh, there's plenty of places to drop these off. We'll go through some of them in just a moment. But that's uh, what you're trying to do right now is you're you're building the beds, and I need the bedding for those beds that you're building.
4: Yeah, everything we do is donated by the community, whether it's through cash donations, lumber. Right now, we're short of bedding. And so we're trying to get a bunch of beds delivered before Christmas and so we're looking for a bedding to complete this when we deliver a bed it's got a bed frame a mattress sheets pillows a comforter it is ready to sleep in on the day we deliver it
0: and so if you're looking if you'd like to make a donation these are all of course new items we're talking about here uh twin size sheets pillows comforters and quilts owls nest quilt shop uh, edward jones office behind old chicago pizza out at central high school roman family chiropractic on patterson Crossroads United Methodist Church, Cameo Salon, the Furtak Copy Shop, and Kenode uh, Insurance. Dave and the folks out there in Palisade, you can you can drop off those items there. And I appreciate you uh, inviting me in to, to talk about this. This is a
4: great thing that we do for our community and it's all done with community volunteers.
0: So Bill, if somebody's listening this morning, they're saying, hey, look, I, I'm pretty good with my hands. I, I like to build things occasionally. I'd like to help out your organization with this uh, with this effort. Uh, how do they go about uh, volunteering for a Sleep in Heavenly Peace?
4: So our next build date probably is in middle of February. And you go to our website to find out the exact date. You can either uh, fill out a volunteer form there, or you can just show up on the build day. You don't need any experience. We'll show you how to build a bed and we'll, uh, we'll appreciate your help in making a difference in our community.
0: Absolutely. No kid sleeps on the floor in our town. That's uh, the motto of sleep in heavenly peace. Once again, if you'd like to donate uh, bedding, uh, mentioned a lot of these locations, uh, Out in Fruit of the Fruit of Copy shop, out in Palisade Insurance, Insurance, uh, uh, out in the East End of the Valley Central High School, Roman Family Chiropractic as well, uh, among the, uh, the drop-off points for those items. Bill, been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, and keep up the fantastic work with uh, Sleep in, in Heavenly Peace. Uh, it's a really uh, great organization helping uh, kids have a have a good night's sleep.
4: Thank you very much.
0: All right, that's Bill from uh, Sleep in Heavenly Peace. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And uh, My Life Sports and Locked on Broncos podcast host Cody York our Broncos report. Head your way next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network.
2: Cuckoo, and loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the Team. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports, Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show.
0: And our Broncos report with Cody Rourke brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. Covers the Broncos for Mile High Sports. Also, uh, Locked in Broncos podcast. Cody Rourke with us. Good morning, Cody. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. A uh, couple of football teams that are uh, that have playoff aspirations right now, both six and five. And the connection as well with the coaches in regard to the Broncos interviewed D'Amico Ryans when he was the defensive coordinator at San Francisco. Uh, the reports were the Broncos kind of circled back to him in the 11th hour when things. We're looking maybe a little dicey to to make that trade for Sean Payton. Ultimately, Ryans goes to the Texans where he played played. and and, uh, has done a fantastic job there. Sean Payton comes to Denver. But uh, it's been an interesting transformation. Expectations were certainly much bigger for the Broncos with Sean Payton being there. They've been able to turn around after the 1-5 start. But I think what D'Amico Ryans has done with a smart selection of C.J. Stroud, their defense has played well. The, the young guys like Tank Dell have stepped up along with Stroud. Uh, what D'Amico Ryans and the, the Texans are doing is pretty darn impressive considering there weren't a lot of expectations for this team to be a playoff contender in 2023.
5: Yeah, no, I think that's a fairly accurate assessment. I, You know, I think nobody thought this year that the Texans, that, you know, they were going to do anything or even be in the conversation, okay, hey, they're going to look to try to get, you know, a young quarterback experience. They're going to try to build around him. I mean, they signed so many dudes this offseason in free agency to one-year deals. And they've done a really good job of building that, you know, a team a little bit around C.J. Stroud. I mean, Nico Collins is a terrific wide receiver. He's a challenge. You mentioned Tank Dell. They still have Robert Woods. They have uh, Dalton Schultz coming over from the Cowboys in the offseason. They have a really good running back in Damian Pierce, who's also very talented. But this is also a Texans team coming into Sunday's game that's really banged up. I mean, you look at the injury report. They had a lot of dudes yesterday that did not participate in practice, they obviously lost Titus Howard on um, the offensive line. He's done for the season, so it's an opportunity for Denver to really ramp things up. But I think that to, to your point about Houston, they, I think I feel like they are this year's best story in the NFL, all circumstances considered. Even though, hey, look, six and five, but what they're what they've done in D'Amico Ryan's first season as a head coach, what C.J. Stroud has done consistently, he's had. You know, he's had a couple of games where he's like, oh, yeah, he looks like a rookie. But for the most part, he hasn't looked like a rookie this season. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, three of his five interceptions actually came in one game against the Arizona Cardinals. So, (laughs) I mean, that was, uh, I mean, yeah, he's playing lights out. He's a a big threat here for Denver. And, uh, look, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere in Houston on Sunday.
0: Yeah, Stroud's season has been outstanding. 3,266 yards. Throwing for 19 touchdowns, five picks. You mentioned the the one game where he had the multi-pick game, and that's uh, that kind of uh, influences that number. But when you watch C.J. Stroud on film, what's the takeaway for you? I mean, just to me, when I watched him play, it's the composure. And Sean Payton talked about it. I believe Justin Simmons referenced that as well. The guy does not play like a rookie. He does not get rattled. I think Justin referenced a play. But I'm in the Bengals game where he might have thrown... Uh, near pick six or something like that, and then came back and led the the Texans on a on a scoring drive. He just plays with an awful lot of composure for a rookie.
5: Yeah, and he doesn't really get rattled by pressure either. I mean, he's I think he's very good. Like I hate to make this comparison, but he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson in a sense. Like he's able to escape pressure, use his legs to extend plays, and you know utilize the scramble drill. Um, he just he plays with confidence, right? Usually, sometimes you see. Like, historically, for most rookie quarterbacks, you see them, when they face pressure, or they're facing, you know, a blitz, you know, up the middle or from the outside, sometimes you sense, like, a little bit of panic. I honestly have not seen any panic in C.J. Stroud when watching him play. I think that, hey, he's like, all right, hey, this is a high-alert situation. I'm going to roll out. I'm going to try to make something happen. And then, okay, if the pass is not there, I'm going to use my legs to try to pick up a first down. He is a guy that is smart. Um, I think he's got really good command of Bobby Sloak's offense down there, and they got the weapons right now that are seeing the, kind of the, the benefits of, you know, his I think cerebral IQ as a fo- as a football player. Um, he's he, Yeah, he's not a rookie in my opinion, but I think it's clear. I think he's the clear offensive rookie of the year, if we're talking about it right now. I think it's not even close. I think he's obviously the main guy um, that's in that consideration. I think D'Amico's in a conversation for coach of the year. I think Sean Payton's in the conversation for coach of the year as well, but this is a huge game on Sunday, Jim. Both teams, six and five. Obviously, Houston's got a better conference record. A win on Sunday for Denver would give them a four and four conference record, give them the tiebreaker over Houston and put them above them. Um, this is huge. Like, right? this is arguably, and, I, and I, I said this on my show earlier today, this might be the biggest game of the season right now for the Broncos because this game, I think, will determine the course of how the rest of the season goes for them. And I don't think they can afford to make a mistake here this week. This is huge, and I can't understate it enough.
0: Cody Rourke, My Life Sports, Locked on Broncos podcast, our Broncos insider, joining us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. When you look at uh, run of the football, Denver's 12th, uh, and it's been the the centerpiece uh, of their success so far uh, during this five-game winning streak. But it's a Texans defense. It's pretty good against the run, uh, giving up 95 yards per game. They're eighth right now in the NFL in run defense. uh, Where they have some issues is in the pass uh, defense part of it, 27th in pass defense. But uh, a strength of the Broncos offensively will go up against a strength of the Texans defensively.
5: Yeah, and and look, I think this is an exciting challenge because Denver faced a pretty good run defense last week with Cleveland. And I think you know Cleveland obviously is one of the better run defenses right now in the NFL. Um, Houston's very stingy in how they how they play. You know, they'll play wide, keep you know contain on defensive ends, But then they have linebackers that can plug and fill in the middle relatively well. They've got pretty good cover guys in the secondary. Um, they got guys that tackle in the secondary, and so it, it really is a challenge. And I think Denver they struggled a little bit last week. They had a couple of runs to the outside that saw some success, but they struggled on getting the ball to the outside last week against Cleveland. I thought that the quick draw that they had uh, several times I thought was a good catalyst for them to get the inside run game going. Um, and obviously Russ having some quarterback designs, I'm sure Houston's going to be preparing for that this week. So I think that might kind of take that away. I don't know if we're going to see Russ use his legs a lot this week on design runs. Um, But you have to find a way to chunk it out a little bit, get some plays. But this is also a week where I think we might see them at first indoor game of the season, Jim. I think we might see them air it out a little bit more this week. But Garrett Stingley Jr. is going to be following around Cortland Sutton more than likely. So this is an opportunity for guys like Jerry Judy, who I anticipate will return to practice today. I will see where Marvin Mims is at. He had a hamstring injury and was limited yesterday. But Brandon Johnson's returning, and then you also still have Lil Jordan Humphrey, and you have some other guys. So I'm very curious to see what Denver's game plan is going to be this week. Um, but the offense is going to have to have a big performance this week. They're going to have to be the same consistent threads that they've been, but probably be a little bit more consistent than they have been um, You know, against this Houston Texans team in hostile territory.
0: And there are people that thought the Browns should have ran the ball more on the Broncos last week. And they kind of played into Denver's hands with uh, with a rookie quarterback, and 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 so that that certainly helped uh, uh, what Denver uh, did defensively last week in that one against Cleveland. You have uh, Devin Singletary, Damien Pierce, a pretty good one-two punch when it comes to running backs for the Texans. Can we expect to see, even though CJ Stroud being as good as he is, that maybe Miko Ryan's turns the run game a, a little bit more uh, in this game Sunday in Houston?
5: I think, honestly, I think they're going to come out balanced. I think it's going to be 50-50 run pass. I mean, you know, they know that Denver has struggled this season in stopping the run. I think Denver's going to be in a very interesting position because this is a team that can run the ball well. Damian Pierce is a hard running back to bring down. He reminds me a lot of Javante Williams, you know, runs through first contact. But then it's like, okay, you have all the receiving options that C.J. Stroud has, and, you know, he's putting up yards the way that he is. I think we're going to see a balanced attack. So if Denver's getting carved up in the in the run game, it's going to hurt them in the passing game. And if they're getting carved up in the passing game, then I really, you know, part of me is also wondering, how does Denver counter? How do they adjust? To me, I think you have to put pressure on a guy like C.J. Stroud. Considering how banged up this offensive line is, you're going to have to do that. But I think that their approach coming into this game is going to be to be kind of 50-50 balanced because I think they have the personnel to do it. Um, How does Denver respond to that, I think, is a big key and a big question for this week.
0: Oh, and one final thing for you, Cody. Uh, Russ turned 35 yesterday. Uh, he says he wants to play till his forty. Will Russell Wilson still whether he's a Bronco or not remains to be seen. Will he still will he still be in the league at age forty?
5: I think Russell still be in the league at age forty two. I think I think he'll play till forty two or maybe forty four years old and then then hang it up. I still think he believes he can play. Um, you know, I think the thing is he's gonna have to continue to show that hey, even though he's getting older, he still can do some of the things and you know that he's been able to do throughout his career, which is super hard, right? And you look at how Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, how those guys kind of extended their playing days. And it's, it's a little bit of a tougher conversation, though. Is you like you know for Russ, like he's a guy that's also taking a lot of shots. He's taking a lot of hits throughout his career. How is his body feeling when he gets to like 39? I know, Jim. I'm 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 29. My body hurts every day from football. But you know what? We truck along and. Uh Ruck takes really good care of his body. He's got great uh, nutritionists, dietitians, and, and obviously his own medical team that helps out alongside the Broncos training staff. So he um he's gonna find a way, but I think he'll play I think he'll play till at least forty
0: two or a little bit after that. All right, so make sure to check out uh, Cody's report at four twenty today here in the team. Of course, I'll have the game the Sunday Broncos at Houston pre-game at nine, kickoff at eleven on the Team Sports Network. Cody, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Go All right. Cody Rourke, My Life Sports, Locked on Broncos Podcast. Coming up, what's our team's team of the week, but right now it's four-down territory. We're into
2: four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team.
0: <laughs> All right. Start things out with first down. Your favorite coach. Ugh. Coach Khakis. Big, dumb khaki pants. <laughs> that uh, Diana Rossini of The Athletic says that uh, she was on the herd with Colin Cowherd. At the Bears. the Bears. Da Bears. Have expressed some interest in Jim Harbaugh, where, of course, he played once upon a time. Yeah, a long
1: time ago.
0: All right, second down. I mentioned Sam Hartman earlier. Worked mm-hmm. out well for Notre Dame to get Sam Hartman uh, to transfer in from yep. Wake Forest. Do quarterback Riley Leonard has hit the transfer portal, and reports are that Riley Leonard... Going to take over for Sam Hartman? Going to take over for Sam Hartman there in Notre is. Dame. Yeah.
1: Um, former quarterback in that part of the world, Will Levis, or Will Levi's, as I call him. Sunday after uh, the Titans game, they uh, snapped a three-game losing streak, rather, week 12. They beat the Carolina Panthers 17-10. to And the post-game show, Will Levis says the uh, touchdown run from Derrick Henry was awesome. That was a 17-play drive. I think we ran more plays that drive than we did in the second half. Blah, 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 blah. When you're able to just capitulate down the field like that and just finish it, that's the best feeling of all. Levis says on Twitter later, I think I used capitulate instead of matriculate in the presser. It's been killing me. I apologize to all my former English teachers.
0: Capitulate
1: is the wrong word. Matriculate is to move forward. Capitulate
0: is to surrender. And typically, even though defend to, uh, to Hank Stram, it's legendary. Mm-hmm. matriculate's more about going through classes. Yeah, at the academic level, mm-hmm. but it, but it worked for what? At the baseline, it's you know move forward. He's a legend. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. So he uses. It's an iconic comment. We're going to cut Hank Stram a lot of credit. Did you use the Urban slack. Meyer,
1: Bruce Feldman yesterday? So you guys I did about not that. use okay. that one. So, Saturday at the Big House, we had a couple things. First of all, we talked about it Monday, about how Desmond Howard tells Pete Thamel to put his big boy pants on because Pete Thamel was inside the stadium because Michigan fans were threatening him and his family. And so ESPN stuck him inside the stadium. And Desmond Howard, ESPN guy, says, put your big boy pants on and do it amongst the crowd. And Reese Davis says... Uh, He's been threatened, and Desmond says, so, essentially. That's paraphrasing. Wow. So Desmond Howard, a tool on that one. Now this one, a little different. This is also from the big house. Big noon kickoff was there, and Bruce Feldman had a report that uh, went kind of along this lines, that it would be Texas A&M are optimistic if Ohio State doesn't beat Michigan, that Ryan Day might be open to their pitch. And Urban Meyer, at least to his face and a little bit nicer, says, I love you, Bruce, but no way.
0: <laughs> See, so, that's uh, being classy. What do you know? What a shock. A Urban little, Meyer being classy about something. A little classier. He the other thing the with Desmond report. Howard, that's what a—that's that's being a punk. I'm sorry. What I, Desmond I, Howard did to Reese Davis, that's...
1: How do you not know, first of all, that that's going on? And then two... When Reese tells you, hey, they're threats, and you say, I say, well, you know, most of the fans here are nice. All the fans here are nice. These fans aren't Still, the ones threatening Instead him. of saying,
0: how about, hey, yeah. knock that stuff off. You That's know, ridiculous. Don't I'm do that.
1: 95% sure it was an ESPN thing, like, you're inside the stadium.
0: Yeah, no kidding. All right, 845, our team's team of the week coming up next.
2: It's the Western Slopes home of Colorado sports. Come on. This is the Jim Davis Show. It's the team's team of the week on the
0: Jim Davis Show. All right, it's time for our team's team of the week. And this week, there was no other choice. When you have a team that has won its first state championship in 63 years and they did it with an undefeated season, it was naturally going to be the Delta Panthers winning the 2A State Football Championship uh, drilling rifle 54-14 last Saturday at Stoker City. I'm with us right now. Panthers head coach Ben Johnson, running back Talon Hewlett, and Lyman Tucker Johnson and Xavier Martinez. Guys, thanks for coming on. First off, congratulations on a, a fantastic season and getting that first state championship since 1960. Ben, we'll, we'll start out with you. Uh, Your guys were ready to play. No doubt about that in that state championship game. They, they decided to move it to to play at Stoker Stadium because of the the travel concerns. Uh, I think you guys could have played it uh, on Mars, and the outcome might have been the same. Your kids were determined to win that game on Saturday.
6: Yeah, well, thank you for having us on. You know, I thought we started really fast. We got up 20 to nothing on them. I thought our kids were really prepared. I sort of had that feeling in the locker room that they were very calm and that that they'd been there before, and uh, I thought when the game started, they executed really well and uh, just played at a high level, and it was really nice to get a fast start against a good rifle team.
0: And certainly the way Talon Hewlett played, and we'll talk with Talon in just a moment. MVP of that game, he had the five touchdowns. That uh, well, Ty Reed is certainly a, a tremendous quarterback and make some big plays. Had big plays, three touchdowns in the win against Rifle during the regular season. Was was the game plan that uh, a steady dose of Talon Hewlett in that game?
6: Yeah, you know we wanted to make sure we established the run. I thought we could run on him. Uh, In different formations, and Talon ran the ball well, and I thought the O line did a great job up front blocking, and I thought our receivers blocked really well in in the perimeter. So, you know, with that combination of all three, everybody doing their job, it it just led to uh, uh, good good running plays for us, and uh, then that was able to set up some of the play action stuff we could do in the passing game.
0: We have Talon Hewlett with us, who had the five touchdowns and uh, was the game's MVP. Talon, uh, kind of take us through what that was like last Saturday. Uh, no doubt your best performance as a high school football player, 245 uh, yards in the game, the, the five touchdowns, that uh, you saved your best for last, uh, my friend, for the state championship game.
7: Yeah, I just, uh, I knew how bad we wanted it from the beginning, walking in the locker room, and I mean, we were all pretty pretty stoked to be there. Having a Stoker, the atmosphere was insane. So I kind of just went out there with the mindset that, you know, we were not going to be beat, and, you know the turnout was was how we wanted, and give credit to all the guys up front. And like Coach Jay said, the wide receivers and everyone did their job, and it allowed for a lot of success in the run game and defensively. I thought we played very well, executed what we've been working on all week. So I think when all those things come together, you're bound to have a
0: great day. How much did last year's loss to Eden Talon was that still in your mind, you and your teammates' minds as you as you took the field on Saturday?
7: Yeah, it was, it was definitely in the back of my head. The feeling of losing that game was kind of there, and I just knew it couldn't happen again and uh, kind of carried that feeling walking onto the field just knowing that that feeling sucked, and I never wanted to feel it again, so I just wanted the outcome to uh, be different.
0: Talon Hill, of the Delta Panthers, it's our uh, team's team of the week, uh, had the five touchdowns in the win against Rifle, so a lot of times, Talon, a performance like yours, you know, two hundred forty you know, some yards, five touchdowns, that uh, running back takes the line out to, to to dinner or something, or buys them watches. Uh, you're a high school guy. doubt you're doing that. Did you do anything for your offensive lineman? You got two of them sitting right there. Did you? Uh, even just hey, way to go, guys. Great job. What was the what was the way you rewarded your offensive line for their play?
7: Man, I just <laughs> I haven't really took them out to dinner or anything. That's a good <laughs> idea. I mind. I should do that. But uh, no, I just. After every play, I mean, I'd look at them, and they did great, and they know they did great, so you just kind of got to tap them on the head and say, good job, keep rolling, you know, so. Uh, but, no, I'm. that's definitely a good idea to take them out to dinner or something, so.
0: Yeah, I might, uh, might have to see if mom and dad can maybe loan you a buck or two to, to maybe yeah. take the guys out. Uh, we also have Tucker Johnson, Xavier Martinez. Uh, they're on that offensive line leading the way for for Talon Hewlett. And and Tucker, uh, you play on both sides of the football. Uh, you got after Logan Gross, and that, that defensive front, I thought, uh, did a sensational job putting pressure on a very athletic quarterback in Logan Gross.
6: Yeah, our game plan all week, not only for our first game in week four, but also this game was just to contain him and really just kind of dominate him physically, because we thought he would, like just wilt mentally. The more we hit him, the more he kind of just crumbled, and we took advantage of that.
0: That's a very experienced offensive line. You, Xavier Martinez, and your, as your other teammates on that offensive line, kind of take me through the, the brotherhood that you guys uh, have had throughout the course of not just this season, but previous seasons, to get to this point, because the success of the offensive line dictates you know how well you're going to have, uh, how good of a season it's going to be for your football team.
6: Yeah, the brotherhood in our line is tremendous. We play with each other since we were in fifth grade, and you know most of us have been bar stars for three plus years, so we're very experienced in that front. Um, we can know what it takes to kind of dominate a defensive front, and we just knew we had to do that day, and we took care of business.
0: Xavier Martinez also there from the Delta Panthers. Xavier, uh, just uh, you know, with this uh, this relationship, as Tucker talked about the brotherhood you guys have. What does this mean for this offensive line and for this football team to finally? get that state championship, come up short a couple of times in state championship games, what does it mean to you and your and your mates to, to finally win a state championship?
6: Uh, to me and everyone, I feel like it means everything in the world, especially to our community. Um, you know, we went on that drought for such a long time. To finally bring it home and see everyone's, uh, like, expressions and just see how happy they were, it was the best feeling in the world.
0: What was the thing you thought when you knew, okay, this is in the bag. This is this is you know we're going to be state champions for the first time in 63 years. What was the first thing you said to somebody or thought when it was obviously going to be a reality for the Delta Panthers team?
6: We need to pick our rings out. Like I was so excited to get the ring and start getting all that. Um, it feels surreal. It still doesn't feel real, but I don't know. It's a crazy experience to finally win
0: it all. We're talking with the Delta Panthers uh, state championship football team today. Members of it, Talon Hewlett, Tucker Johnson, Xavier Martinez, and head coach Ben Johnson. So uh, for you, Tucker, uh, basketball season is coming up with uh, with Coach Ames here soon. Uh, what does it look like for you in terms of college and, and Talon and Xavier, the same thing? What does the future look like, whether it's uh, football or not football, uh, when, you, when you graduate in May? What does that look like for you guys? Start out with you, Tucker.
6: Um, the future for me in college is definitely go play college football. Um, I'm not... I'm not too sure where I want to go yet, but I know I have options and I'm just going to wait and see kind of where, where the path takes me. All
0: right, Xavier, what about you?
6: Uh, for me, I think this was kind of to wrap it all up, I think I left everything on the field on a state championship game
0: and I'm just going to further my education. Very good. Uh, Talon, what about you?
7: Um, I'm just, as of right now, I am I want to go play college football somewhere. I'm just waiting for something to pop open, an opportunity to to take it, you know, and so I just, I'm just waiting for that you know uh, coach to come up to me and say, hey we really want you on this team or whatever. So but yes, I want to go play college football somewhere.
0: Well, certainly you had a performance uh, you guys did that uh, merits some consideration from some college programs, no doubt. And, and finally get, get back to Ben Johnson. Ben for you, I mean, this is uh, thrilled for you guys. The crowd was tremendous. 3,000 people there. Just your your final thoughts, we got like 60 seconds here about winning a state championship after all these years.
6: Yeah, you know the, the crowd and the community was amazing. It was just great to see everybody show out, and they were there about forty five minutes before the game. And I think relocating it to Stoker Stadium was a huge, you know, even though the was a little things we had to plan out early in the week. But uh, you know, it was just very satisfying. Finally, after fifteen years, we've been close a couple times, and uh, I think these kids have built a wonderful program here, and uh, our culture is great, and. Every year they're in it. I think this was the 11th time we've been to the quarters and seven semifinal games and three state championships. And it's a credit to all the kids that came through the program, and it's a credit to all the coaches we coached with over the years. So it's just a wonderful feeling, and uh, the community and everyone's just very excited.
0: I've been thrilled for you guys. It was a real pleasure to work with Curtis Sintz doing the the video broadcast for NFHS. Uh, Love getting to call that game, and uh, uh, just a tremendous victory for your football team and a state championship. Guys, thank you so much. And Delta Panthers, thank you for being our team's team of the week. We appreciate it.